Welcome to the Love is Viral show. I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider, the founder and CEO of Live Media and the creator of the Live Pocket Coach on the Apple App Store. Our premise at Live is simple. A healthier you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. Our guests include neuroscientists, therapists, professors, coaches, authors, yogis, speakers, entrepreneurs, and those who believe that a bigger, better life can be found at the intersection of mindfulness and science. Join me as we nerd out with a little bit of soul. The Love is Viral show is a live media production. Brandon G. Alexander is on a mission to create better men and boys. He believes this happens through education, vulnerability, communication, and effective modeling by men. Brandon is an LA-based actor and the founder of the platform New Age Gents. In this episode, we discuss what it means to be a modern-day gentleman, American culture's version of male rites of passage, the need for men to be seen in today's society, the societal and cultural expectations that have been put on boys, men, and relationships over the years, and the importance of taking radical responsibility for your own growth. Let's dig in. Hi, this is Jeanette Schneider. Welcome back to the Love is Viral show. And I'm super happy to have with me today, Brandon Alexander. Thank you for joining. This is amazing. This is a good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I found you um, because you have a platform that is so fascinating to me. And I I just want to ask you so many questions because I feel like um, there's been a lot of conversation over the course of the last several years and maybe even outside of my my consciousness, um, it's been going on for longer, that we in some way are failing our boys. Like we are not doing a good job of helping our boys understand communication And there's this argument, especially when the Me Too movement came out, there were moms of boys who were like, hey, hold up, don't hate on our sons. And and I I kind of like, I was in the middle, right? Because I understand the Me Too movement so deeply. But I was like, you can't, these little boys, they don't know. And that these young men, they've been taught to experience life in a very different way than, than girls have been taught. And what you do on your platform, like one of the first things I saw was you're like, I want to make better men and boys. So tell me what that means to you, like how this resonates. To make better better men and boys, I think it came from this idea of the narrative that was so loud that no more good men exist. Uh, little boys are, 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 are already learning early that, you know, slap girls in the butt and do this and do that. And so they grow up already sexualizing women mm-hmm. and it's normalized as well. Well, let him be a boy. Boys will be boys. And I started to hear these narratives, and I knew how I grew up, which was not that way. My mom was not okay with that. My grandma was not okay with that. You were taught because of predominantly women in my family. You had to learn what it meant to respect women and others, period. But you had to learn what respect meant. Um, and so I saw, I saw almost a need to have another conversation that countered that narrative and that argument. And that was, well, how can we make men better? How can we make boys better? Mm -hmm. Educating them, giving them information, and also giving them the skill sets and the tools that women are taught early about vulnerability, communication. It's okay. Like women, it's really okay for women to cry. No one ever tells women to stop crying, especially a young girl. No one's ever like, stop crying. But for a boy, it's man up, stop it. You know, and immediately, instead of slowly turning the water hose off, it's, and there's no more flow. Yeah. So for that young boy, that becomes rusted. And it's really hard over the years to get that faucet going again. 
Mm-hmm. So then you have therapy. Maybe you have a couple of bad relationships. Maybe a friend tells you you don't open up as much. And slowly but surely, the rust starts to come off of those knobs and that faucet starts to flow again. And he learns what it means to feel. And so that's what it means to me is helping men and boys learn to feel and understand that it's okay for them to feel. And it's okay for them to not live in a narrative that is not beneficial to anyone, including themselves. Let me ask you this. Since you were raised predominantly around women, did you experience the cutoff of that flow? Or was that primarily more like at school or work or in sports? Like, were you comfortable expressing how you felt because you had that support system in place? Yes, but I I did it more so through creativity because I had uncles. So there was this kind of duality of you got to be a man Mm -hmm. in the old school sense. But the women fostered the creativity. They fostered vulnerability. They, they fostered expression, if you will, right? Okay. So I learned it was okay for me to feel, but I also understood, like, right now I have to be a man in this moment, whatever that moment may be. Right. So I, I would say it was well-oiled. It would be turned off, but then turned back on. Turned off and then turned back on. So that eventually I could tap into it, but I wasn't foreign to the idea of tapping into my emotions and tapping into my feelings. So I love that because I feel, and this is one of the things that I've, I've been curious about, you know, I have a friend who's a historian and we've talked about this quite a bit. Like we don't really have male rites of passage, right? Oof, and then, yeah. And so, and then I talked to a, a, a therapist and she's like, well, we do our male rites of passage are like, how many girls have you bedded? Like, what does your car look like? What mm-hmm. does your bank account look like? Those are our yeah. male rites of passage. And I'm like, that's that's so sad because you're, you know, I love the idea that men fostering vulnerability in, in young boys and men, men fostering the idea of character and value and how to treat relationships, not because it's like, oh, she's the vessel and she's this and she's that, but more like it's a, it's, it's an interchange between yeah. a male and a female as they move into a relationship. And yeah. I'm curious, like, what's your take on, on that and male rites of passage and like, how, like, what do you think? Do you, have we Americanized them and made them about greed? We have, for sure. But what's, un- what's unfortunate about American culture is it's supposed to be so progressive, mm-hmm. yet it's so stagnant, right? It's so based and very, um, and it's not even, I wish I had a word for it. Like, there's a cap to how much you can grow in the American idea of dating and the American idea of raising boys and we look at cultures, we look at Norway, or we look at these different places, or we look at Europe, right? And, or Italy or Africa even, that have a sense of rites of, rites of passage, but it's, it's progressive in its growth because it changes as the times change, but they understand tradition helps those boys understand that. Mm-hmm. Money has a cap. Once you're rich, you're rich. If you're poor, you're poor. You can sleep. Once you sleep with 100 women, there's no going back. There's no going back. I don't, you know, I don't scale back and go down to 10. You've already slept with 100 women for this rite of passage. Right. So then once you're into that, does it make you more of a man to have more women? It doesn't. Does it make you more of a man to have more money? It doesn't. Right? What makes you, to me, what makes you more of a man is when you understand and you go inside. And the more you can do this, the more you can open that chest, the more you can understand, the more you can say, I'm sorry, the more you can say, uh, that hurt me, the more you can, the more is the more you can become you, the more of a man you'll become. Ooh, I got the right, that's, <laughs> That was good. That's like, the rite of passage. The rite of passage, right, for any culture is how do you discover your true self? To bury a boy, and, and this is, I'm not agreeing with this, but to bury a boy overnight, and if he comes out and he makes it back to the village, he went on a self-journey 
to become a man, mm-hmm. right? So then the, the goal for him in that isn't to become rich. The goal in, in that is to be like, hey, here's how you get more girls. The goal in that is to discover himself so that when he comes back to his tribe, when he comes back to his village, he has a more keen, uh, a more clear sense of self, a more clear sense of identity. So that when he is given to a wife or the wife is given to him, she's not meeting a boy. She's meeting some a, a, a boy who's learned what it means to become a man. And I that's think- what we're missing in, in the American traditional rites of passage. Yeah, it seems to me like, and, and especially one of the things I thought was so, because I studied a couple of different cultures and I loved that it was about um, rising in character and leadership, yes. right? But yes. that there was this this respect for other. It yep. wasn't like, beat my chest, I'm the man, you will, right. whatever. But it was almost kind of like the elders speaking to the young, the boy, yeah. and, and kind of stoking the fire in a way that he understood that he was to lead, not to. And I, I think that's sometimes where I get frustrated because in our leadership structure today, it, it it's kind of a, it's ego driven. And it's yeah. not about what's within. It's about what you can show that you've accomplished because that means that you're a leader. Then, and yeah. That really, it, it it frustrates me for young men, especially like when, when I have mothers of boys who are like, oh, the Me Too movement and you guys tell your daughters about us, our boys and stuff like that. And I'm like, there's such a, there's such a, um, a range of, of experience, right? Like you can hold space for a woman who's experienced sexual abuse and feel bad for her and understand that she's triggered without saying that all men are bad. Right. And, you know, it's, I think that's one of the things I struggle with is in our society, we feel like we have to be one side or the other. Mm -hmm. We are not good at like being like, you've had a really traumatic experience, but let me hold space for you to go through your healing because there are good people out there. There are good. That doesn't mean all men this or that. But they've also some of these men who are men who are the perpetrators. Yeah. They've also been taught that this is a very perverted view of of masculinity. Like some of the things that they're able to do is perverted view of of power and masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it it does make sense. It's it's interesting as you're saying that because I had a visualization. I've never had this visualization before. Um, but when you go to an eye doctor, they don't just give you a pair of lenses and say, okay, these are going to be the ones for you. Mm-hmm. Because they may not work for the way you see. So they prescribe them according to are you farsighted? Are you nearsighted? Are you do you really just need reading glasses? You have a hard time seeing at night. You have a hard time seeing during the daytime. Ultimately, once you put your prescribed glasses on, not the ones someone just gives to you, mm-hmm. right? Because we have to craft our own perspective from which we see the world. But within that, we see the world better, not the way someone else wants us to see it. Mm. That's really powerful because I feel like I feel like that's that's missing across the board. Everywhere. You know, everywhere. Everywhere. We sit in our pain. Yes. And then look out and say, yep. well, from my pain, this is this is my experience. I'm curious, like as you're talking, because I, I know so new age gents, like you bring men together and talk about how to be a gentleman in, in today's society. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's what like what's the consensus amongst the men? Like what are there when as you're coming to this group and this platform and you're having conversation? Yeah. What do you feel like bubbles forth that would be maybe a surprise to people who are listening? I 
I think it would be they don't feel seen. Mm. I think that's been the, like the most common factor, the most common conversation to some amazing, incredible, done the work men. They don't feel seen because of the lens thing we just talked about. And that's the toughest thing to work through because at a certain point you feel like, well, then what's the point? Mm. If you already see me or you can't see me, what's the point of me even being kind, being respectful, not being the, you know, that guy, that dude, if your lens is still stuck on that particular man and that experience that you want to have for whether it's excitement, a thrill to confirm a narrative you have about men, these men that people say they want, a lot of them don't feel seen by society. And that's what I think would surprise people. Well, we're so layered, right? And you have a tendency, like I, I kind of, I was, I had some dating coaches on one time and we were talking mm-hmm. about how like when people are in dating apps, you can see their pain in their profiles. Cause they're like, don't, don't swipe. If you have, if you're emotionally unavailable, don't do that. Don't. And it's almost like, wow, you're so with- pain like you're so pained like you're I'm leading with my pain and so they're waiting for the person to confirm yep what they are and and you actually there was an interview I I watched um that you did with a couple of other gentlemen and you were talking about how like we're so layered and it's hard to say like well he doesn't do this and you're like well that's like 25 percent of the person right yes like yes. you forget all of this. And I just think that that's so fascinating because so many times we're trying to confirm a narrative that we don't give space to see the beauty behind. Oh, and man. do you think that like when guys are, when men come into relationships, um, what, if, whether or not they've done the work, when you're talking about, I don't feel seen, do you think it's hard for them to kind of drop the layer to be seen? to like allow that, that part of themselves? Or do you think it, it requires that they're entering a mindful relationship? It's, it's a yes, right? This is relationship. It's a dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if he says he's dropped his guard or dropped his layer, we're, we're all protecting ourselves from something. Yeah. We're all protecting ourselves from something. And what that something is, we may not initially know right away, but my answer immediately is, yes, I think it's, I think it's, it's hard Because trust, we know this, trust is earned and time is the one thing that can help someone truly feel safe enough to be themselves, right? And I'm not going to say, well, I am going to say, I don't really care how much work you've done. You don't know, you won't know until you've met that person in that moment, right? A firefighter can fight a thousand fires, but no fire is the same. So he has to approach every building, every circumstance, with some sense of caution. Because if he charges in, just likely he's gonna not realize that that floor is gonna give out because I didn't see it underneath that mattress. He doesn't realize that there's actually a child hiding in the closet because he's so focused on getting the dog out. You have to approach whatever it is with caution. You may have all the skills, you may have everything, all the training, all the work, all the therapy done, but you won't know until you get in the fire. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, one of the things that I've seen so much of, and I, you know, I, I wish that as human beings, we could come to each other from that place of like, <laughs> I 
you're like, no, there's, <laughs> that's a lot of work, right? To come to a place where you're looking at each other and you're like, I'm willing to see you and be seen. Um, because I feel like there are so many people who end up leaving each other, breaking up, creating strife and drama and pain within their relationships. And it has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with everything. It's like the thought bubble behind, right? All the people yes. that came behind them come yeah. with them into a relationship. And I think, I think one of the things that women say that they want and that they have a hard time with is they want a man who has done the work, who is able to be emotionally available. But then be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to go. I will go there, but I'll just like, Deep breath. Yes. Well, it's, yeah. and I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it makes me sad because like I get to talk to a lot of people and yeah. my show is based on things I'm curious about or that sure. I feel like people should be more aware of. And I think one of the things I've seen more than anything, cause I've had lots, I've had probably thousands of conversation between the show that I've had and the book that I wrote and all that. So like I had, a, I've had a lot of conversations with people and what I've seen is, we're all so layered and beautiful. Yes. We all have so much to offer, yes. but we're, we've got stories and cultural um, and social and all of the so stuff deep. around us. So deep. It so takes deep a long time for, for someone to see. And like you were talking yeah. about like time is what it takes. And one of the things I think is so valuable for me is like in my relationship, I, I already, I've been married in the past and I was divorced. I already have mm. a child. I don't have the society's timelines against me right now. I don't feel like I need to get married. I don't feel like I need to have a child. So we have time. And Oof. I think that that's a beautiful thing. Right? I mean, can you, I don't, well, now you're the one interviewing me, but now I'm kind of curious. I'm just like, okay, go ahead. because well, what you just said is, is honestly, it's a little, it, it may help a lot of people when it comes to expectations, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take away the expectations, when you take away the expectations and you take away all these ideas and what society says you're supposed to do, all you have left is time. Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you, how did you come to that realization? Not only is Live Like a Life Coach in your pocket, but we have coaches in 3D as well. With our most recent upgrade, you can sign up for one-on-one -on -one coaching with a person on the phone who will hold you down, hold you accountable, and offer you perspective as you build your big, bad, beautiful new life. Apple users can sign up for our Premium Plus plan through the app or check out our next level and mastery options at loveisviral.com forward slash coaching. Android users, we haven't forgotten about you. Live Coaching is available to you as well. Just reach out to us at dearlive at loveisviral.com and we'll fill you in on all the ways Live can create with you. Live Pocket Coach, welcome to your life. I spent five years single, which was probably the best thing I ever did. Um, mm. I, so I got divorced and then I spent five years um, working on myself. And it was just me and my daughter. And I dated, but I didn't have any deep long-term relationships. And I wasn't, I think, at a place where I, I was ready for them. I had wounds that I had to unpack. So I think that spending so much time in knowing who I was... And coming to the realization, like, when I'm looking for someone, I don't have the same thing in my head that I did when I was looking for my daughter's father. I'm not mm. looking for a provider. I'm not looking for a husband. I'm not looking for a father. 
I am looking for my partner. And so it's a complete and different mind shift. And I feel so bad for people today who feel like this guy's wasting my time. She's wasting my time. And I'm like, based on whose timeline? Whose timeline? Right. Oh my God. Like whose timeline told you that you have to have this experience by this? And poor guys, I feel bad for you because like you, it's kind of like, okay, I have so many friends who have rules in their head. Like if he doesn't propose within one year, if he doesn't propose within two years, then he's wasted my time. And I'm like, I feel for you because who told you that? Yes. What's what's that lifetime experience where we've been embedded with the idea that there has to be a timeline. And so we get rid of people if they don't meet the timeline. Um, You don't need me for this interview. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need me. You don't need me. (laughs) Why, Why am I here? No, I just, I just think it's, wow. I think it's like a big, it's a big detriment. And I think that's what we're talking about, right, across the board when it comes to yes. boys and men. It, it's, it's all of society's and cultural expectations that we put on our boys, our men, yes. on relationships, on and and it, across the board, you can't talk about men without talking about women. I yeah, mean, yeah. We all have these expectations. So a man has to be a man and he has to be this and he has to be this. But a woman is also taught like you're supposed to be kind and gentle and tender and you're supposed to this. Warm. Yeah. And like motherly. Yeah. There's all these expectations and like you should have this by this. What I do love and I do have to say if I could find a light in what's going on right now in the world across the board. I mean pick a subject that's happening right now. (laughs) It's making us question everything. Yes. And I kind of love Yes. That. Yes. Well, I think we stopped getting curious. Right? When you think about, I don't know why, it's, this was way deeper than I expected, by the way. Lots of oh. metaphors and lots of like, <laughs> no, I'm just saying for me, yeah. I think that meditation really kind of like opened me up today. But when you think about discovering the new world, when you think about um, cultures getting in ships and saying, well, let's go find something new. It's because they had a, a deep curiosity for the unknown. Social media has taken that away completely. The news has taken that away completely. We're no longer curious. If I can go to a page about relationships, I have all the answers for whatever, whatever I choose to, I, whatever I selectively choose to like or view on that page will align with whatever I want to believe. Mm-hmm. So if it challenges me, all I have to do is swipe past it. So when do you actually have a chance to break away from a narrative that is actually keeping you away from the thing you really want? Mm. You don't. Yeah. Because then what you'll do is you'll go find another page that aligns with it and another page. And now your explore page is full of things that align with this idea and this narrative that if he doesn't treat you this way, you don't need him. If he doesn't look like this, you don't need him. If you don't do this, you don't need him. If he wants it, you don't need him. So now you're, now you're being fed the thing you believe. Curiosity is in the unknown. Curiosity is not having that answer right there in front of you. But you got to go find it. You got to go through experience. You got to go have that date. You got to go meet that guy. You got to go through that relationship for a year and a half and realize, you know what? It wasn't a bad thing that we dated. It was a great experience for me to understand that I can trust again. Mm-hmm. He's not my partner. He's not my life partner. He's not the father of my kids. But I learned to trust again. You learn through her what it meant to be sexually liberated and freed. And, and, and that you don't have to be performance driven. And you can be intimate and connected. She may not be your wife, but you've had an experience. Mm-hmm. you got to get curious. you got to get curious again. This isn't just relationship. Oh, I love this. 
Well, because what you're doing is you're saying like find a find gratitude in the relationships that you've had, even if they end, right? Yes. Find how they've yes. built you and grown yes. you. And can you imagine the shift in in paradigm if we looked at each other that way? If we're like, what can we learn from from you, and can I be grateful for, right? Yep. And I yep. think that that's really that's incredibly powerful. If you like, if you shift that paradigm to instead be like all women this and all that. And, and, and be like, she taught me this about myself. I learned, I learned yes. that this is what I want. Um, maybe we didn't align, but this is what I want. And I think that that's so incredibly valuable. I, I mean, I just experienced it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 31. I'm not married. I don't have kids yet. But I've, I've gotten to a place to where I understood that feeding Feeding the victim, and I was talking to somebody about this, you have to starve the victim. You have to starve that negative narrative. If not, if you feed it, if you feed it, they hurt me, they're going to leave me, they're going to do this, they're going to cheat, they're going to do this, whatever. It's something I'm working on. But I've learned if you don't feed it, you have room for gratitude to come in. Because now you can appreciate the person and the experience for what it is. Not that you, I didn't get it, I failed, this failed, this didn't work out the way I saw it working out. And now you're just a little more bitter, you're a little more sad. Now it does become all women do this, all men do that. Starve the victim and it becomes a singular experience. Mm, that's powerful. Well, talk about a little bit more about that because I think people don't realize sometimes even when they're stuck in their own victimhood, right? What does that sound like? Like if you were to talk to a group of men right now and you were like, yeah. hey, let me talk to you about one of the, because I truly believe you have to remove the victim blame narrative. Yep. Like you yep. have to remove that. In our house, one of our house rules is we don't blame each other. That's um, beautiful. And I think, I think taking like radical responsibility for your own growth is so huge. Like if you were in a room full of guys right now and you were talking mm -hmm. about that starving of the victim, talk to me a little bit about what you would say to them or, or what, they would, what they would experience internally to make them realize that the victim is showing up. Um... I would say, have you, have you ever, I've never actually done this, but I'm glad you're bringing this up because it's kind of a new thing that I've been, I've been talking to guys privately about. Mm -hmm. I would say, have you ever heard Biggie Smalls mixtape 20 years ago? So you know the lyrics, you know the rhythm, you know the beat. Then you heard it five years later in the car driving one day, but it was familiar to you. You knew, you know the lyrics. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. Mm -hmm. So now it's no longer a miss. You know the lyrics, you know the rhythm, you know it. And sometimes even if the song's not playing, you'll hear it in your head. So what the victim will do is, my dad left me. But my dad's supposed to love me. The next time I see love, are you going to leave me? You're going to leave me? Mm -hmm. don't leave me they leave you dad left me I loved her she cheated on me she left me I'm not lovable you're going they're going she's everyone's going to leave me mm -hmm. so instead of Super Nintendo Sega Genesis it's they're going to leave me when I love them that's not true. Oh, we I got make it again. <laughs> but we make it true. 
we make it true because the more you play that song, the more you listen to those lyrics, it's all you'll ever hear. Mm. So you'll miss, you'll miss if I'm listening, if I'm so, if I'm so locked into Biggie, right? I'll miss out on all the music that's being made at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'll miss this new artist that just created a new song that's absolutely beautiful, inspired by Biggie. I'll miss this new artist that just came up and it may be the favorite, my favorite new artist that I've ever heard, but I, 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 I can't listen to it because I'm so stuck in this old tape. That's so incredibly powerful. Because when you said it's not true, I was like goosebumps because yeah. we as- assign values to things, right? Yeah. We assign truth or like it's almost like it becomes like our North Star and we don't realize our North Star is toxic. <laughs> like we've created. Exactly. But it's familiar. Yeah. And you got to blow it up. You, you have to completely blow it up and just be like, okay, like I think that's the thing that was powerful for me and I wish I could help more people understand is that. Um, believe nothing. Like, could you get to a place <laughs> where you believe nothing, right? Like, where you are like, I'm not trust. Like, like people are like trust your gut, trust your intuition. Mm, be careful because when you trust your gut and you trust your intuition, but you still have that victim blame thing going on in your head, right. that's not necessarily your gut. What's fueling the gut, right? What right. fuels that gut to go and, and rise up? What's interesting about what you're saying is it go. It really ties back into getting curious. Mm-hmm. You have to get curious now about your emotional experience. Leaning in, and, and I, 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 this is from Brene Brown, this is from Esther Perel, this is from people I follow online, this is from different things. Truth and the belief that you should believe in is believe in leaning into your vulnerability. Facing the pain, the possibility of pain, and understanding that that is the gateway to love, period. Mm-hmm. You cannot bypass pain. It's a part of the experience. It's a part of life. Imagine if you never got injured. Imagine if you never stubbed your toe. Imagine if you never cut yourself. I have two cuts right now in my hand accidentally. It wasn't on purpose. It just happened. Pain is a part of life. So if you're trying to avoid pain, you will never experience true love. That's really... Yeah, I... I think that that's one of the things I feel so bad for people who sit in their little boxes and they're like, I don't want to feel like, I don't want to feel. Yeah. Yeah, Let's just keep going. And the other thing I think is also really damaging is like people also assume when they get, when they do pass their, like they get a relationship, they're done. Well, now I'm in a relationship. It should be good. And you're like, Oh no, there's more. You're going to get triggered. They're going to drive you nuts. There's stuff that's going to happen. But then you also have to be like, what's your staying power? What's your ability to work through the layers? What's your ability to understand deeper? And I just, I, I think that there's so much value to that curiosity. Like you said, right? Like pulling at the string. I always think of it as pulling at the string, like Mm. pull the string and see what else you get, see what else comes. And be willing to be wrong. I'm totally like, I'll sit down with someone and I'll be like, and you know, people are like, prove me wrong. I'm never like that. I'm like, (laughs) prove me wrong. Like, please show me. That doesn't mean that I'm automatically going to assume everything that you believe. I'm a critical thinker, but I'm totally willing to listen to the other side of the story. And like, if I buy a book on one subject, I'll buy a book on the exact, like the argument against, Mm -hmm. because I want to understand all sides. And I think that we fail 
we fail when we sit in our boxes, refusing to be curious, refusing to ask the questions and wanting to just kind of protect ourselves. It's when you're willing to like be wounded that all the good stuff comes. Yes. That's when the, I, and that's, that's the beauty of healing, right? Like your muscles, when you work out are literally torn mm-hmm. and, but you don't become stronger until they heal. So if you never tear your muscles, then you never get stronger because they never, they never heal. And I'm not saying go and force yourself into a position where you're like, I'm going to feel the most pain so I can do the best job ever. <laughs> right, right. This is not what I'm saying. But someone ghosting you, okay, that hurt. Let it grow back. You're a little bit stronger in love because you realize what that feels like and you're not going to go do that You're to never going to do it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it. They didn't communicate to me where they really stood. Okay, that's fair. That may hurt that they didn't, but what are you going to do now? Be a clear communicator. I want you. I want this. I don't want this. I do want that. I see you this way. I see you that way. Those instances are going to help you grow in love and grow in yourself. The other part, though, is when you do the self-work. When you acknowledge... I have a bit of an issue here. I have a bit of a void filler here. Now I need to acknowledge my own, I don't know what, I'll just say stuff for the sake of the podcast. Sure. I need to acknowledge my own stuff. And to remove that stuff is going to be painful because it's become a comfort for you. And that box you talked about, mm-hmm. you've put all your favorite toys and all your favorite things that you ever needed to keep yourself comfortable. And now you got to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that you say that because I do feel like we have a tendency to to almost kind of like have this automatic mindset, right? Like this is our automatic mindset. This is what this is what the world has told me about myself. I have all my tools. I have all my toys. I have all my yep. stuff. And and being willing to own both your darkness and your light, because <clears throat> I do think we we have a tendency to disavow parts of our personality or disavow parts of our story because they were painful or we don't like that part of ourselves. So we're kind right. of like, oh, like, I'm going to... And I kind of feel like we have to actually get to the point where we're like, yeah, I can be a little self-absorbed sometimes. I know yes. that I can, but I also know when I am, I can be like, why am I doing this, right? Like that yes. level of self-awareness where you can say, yeah. I know that these are some negative traits that I have, but let's take away maybe the, the word negative and make this, this is this is a part of my life, ex- my lived experience, right? This is who your I experience, was. part of your experience, 1,000%. Yeah. I think it's so incredibly valuable to have that type of self-awareness where you can bring it to the table. And I think what I love about this conversation is because I know that you're talking to other men about what it means Mm. to be a gentleman right now. Right. And I've seen your content and I I love what you talk about with, with, um, there's one other question I have in regards to that. I know that I'm pivoting back and forth, but I love the conversation and how it's flowed. So I'm like, let's just keep going. Um, So when it comes to, um, to, to boys, one of the questions that I have, because someone told me this recently, if the male model in the boy's life doesn't show him what it means to be vulnerable, to show character, whatever, he can't get there unless he has a man showing it to him. Do you agree with that? Yes. So yes. We, need, we, need, we need men to come into this work that we're talking about. It's cause it's, 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 I don't, I'm, I have to say it's different, right? What I found is women 
say they want a vulnerable and open man, but they want a man. They don't want a woman. So what happens is a lot of these men have learned vulnerability from a woman, right? I learned what it meant to be open, but men in my life that I ended up being mentored under showed me what vulnerability looked like. And then I continued down that path, right? So it's different the way that you experience vulnerability. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Yes. I didn't know that. Well, I believe it's expressed differently. Okay. So I've seen women be turned off completely by a man who is, if you would say, really in his feminine. It's not a bad thing. They're just turned off by it because they're like, God, it just doesn't feel like he's got, he's not a rock for me. Mm -hmm. He's too, he's too into his emotions. So now he's, he hasn't really processed that something that women value in men is our willingness to open up, not to be always open. There's a willingness to open up that women find very attractive, that women find to be, let me be the one who, if I want to change my mind right now, I can't, this is not, but I'm just, from what I've seen, if I want to change my my mind right now, if I want to do this today, if I want to do this tomorrow, when a man does that, women don't have trust in that guy Mm. because he's not, he's not clear on what it is he wants. He's not clear on where he stands. And she, what she wants is, how can you create a space for me to have these thoughts, but then also guide me? Mm. I, I understand that. And I think one of the things that I've kind of played with is, is the idea of the healed masculine and the divine feminine coming together. You listen, this conversation, I'm done. Done. <laughs> Nothing else to talk about. <laughs> what? Yeah. I just think, well, because it's true, right? So like women, we, we do have a tendency to, we, we want it to be, we want the, the, the counter, right? The counter to, yes. so it's not looking necessarily for a man <clears throat> to be, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like us, but to be willing to, to be willing to talk to us and to express themselves and not be a closed book or a brick, right? You don't want a brick. You want someone that you feel that you can um, trust. Is a rock. Yeah, and that is going to take care of you, but is willing at the same time to be like, this is why I do this, and yes, I will work on this, and this is bothering me. And what I love about my partner is he's very, very masculine, but he has a tendency to be like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Like, this really bothered me. Um, but he, it's with love. Yes. It's not like, what are you doing? It's more nice. like, hey, so we need to talk. And he's like, he will not accept text message arguments. He's like, you better call me. <laughs> like, I want to hear your voice. So I, I think that type of, that type of leadership where you have someone yeah. that is like the, the rock, but at the same time willing to show that, I'm in a relationship with you. I value our relationship. And I think that's one of the other things I think when you talk about the healed masculine and the divine feminine together is it's not one person doing all the work. Talk about it. Talk about it. (laughs) Because it's so good. I'm so, I'm right now, I'm so charged and I feel, I just feel so like this is, this is the way forward. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not, there's this balance we have to find and this duality we have to find through experience, through getting curious, through pulling the string of like, okay, this is what it looks, to, this is what it looks like to be a healed masculine male. 
there are things that we can take from, from those old school stoic guys that are still really beneficial to you having a backbone. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't just label them as they sucked, they were bad, they were terrible men. No, not entirely true. I learned a lot from those men. I learned what discipline was. I learned what it meant to get something done. Because if I was all about my feelings, I wouldn't get anything done. Mm-hmm. So they taught me what it meant to say, hey, listen, what's more important than your feelings right now is your family. What's more important than your feelings right now is that if you do this, you'll feel way better once you accomplish it, right? That's something we also have to teach our boys. We can't just teach them, I don't have a son yet, but I would not teach my son, feel everything you need to feel and make decisions based off of that. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge the way you feel. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Process it. But this thing I'm asking you to do, this trash to take you out, that lawn that needs to get mowed, you're going to do it. Right. Why? Because in life, it's not about your feelings. Life doesn't care about your feelings. The rent that needs to get paid does not care about your feelings. That woman that is needing you to be there while she's, uh, and I use cancer a lot, but while she's going through cancer, if you were in your feelings, you'd be so emotionally driven by the trauma, the experience that you couldn't be the rock she needs. Right. So acknowledging your feelings and acting on them all the time are two different things. That's so like so true because it's um, it's providing them like almost like a perspective of respect for. Yes. I, I respect my feelings. I'm respecting the experience, but I also have to get things done. I also have to do these things. The way you framed that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I love your, no, I, I love I, your analogies. Because yeah. these, are, these are so good. This is like, this is so good. Now I want a son so I can do that to him. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, now I need a boy. Respect I'm going to see the example. Yeah. Respect the experience. But I love you, boy. Come here. We're going to cry together. Just, just cry. <laughs> In front of your mom so she can see that you have feelings. <laughs> right. And then she'll love me later because I cry. So right. thank you. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, you were so my... high crying? Yes, I was so high my... crying. My daughter is very, um, she's very empathic, lots of feelings. And one mm. of the things, I, I want her to understand them. So we give her, her feelings words, right? So yeah. from a very young age, it's like trying to like explain, well, this is joy, this is sadness, this is anger, mm. this is whatever. So that like yeah. when she has multiple feelings at the same time, she's like, well, what's this? Like, I feel happy and sad at the same, I didn't like, I'm like, well, this is the human experience. Wow. And it's so funny because like, you know, I'm, I'm learning from you too, because there are times where she's so in her feelings and I've had to be like, okay, but are these yours or they're someone else's, right? Like if you're like, you read a book that made you sad and now you're falling you out. Sad. Yes. Yeah. So like, let's make sure yes. we understand them. But I also need to, I think I need to have, I love the word acknowledge because that's not like a in it. That's more like I'm acknowledging. So thank you for that. Cause that's a conversation I'm going to have with her is like, there are times where you can acknowledge your feelings but we still need you to, to, to get some stuff done. <laughs> yeah, because then where does it take you? I think that's the, that's the next question. Is where does it take you? Where does it lead you? Where does that emotion take you next? Where does that feeling take you next? Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen someone become completely paralyzed because, like I said, if you, if you see your loved one hurt or in pain, if, you, if, you, if you're in paralysis, you can't help anyone. And I believe a man's job is to be of service and a man's job is to protect Right. So in those moments, if you were emotionally driven, you can't you you don't have the consciousness and awareness. OK, what happened? Stop here. I need you to cover that up. Get over here. I need this to happen. He's still got it all going on in here and it may take him a minute to process it. Right. But we need him in that moment. I need to be in that moment. 
able, ready, and willing to do what I believe a man is supposed to do. Hmm. I love it. A friend of mine told me before, he, we, were, um, we were working out, and I passed out at the park. And um, I was talking to him about it afterward, and he was like, my first concern was getting you to safety before I felt anything. Mm-hmm. He got me to the hospital in time, and I remember waking up, drugged up, and they said I think I had like a, a, like a panic attack or a stress attack or something like that. It wasn't anything physical, but my... My emotions and my body and everything had just shut down because I was under a lot of stress at the time. And then he was so emotional in the hospital. Hey, when you get out of here, we're going to go do this. Hey, you're going to have that ranch. Hey, we're going to do this. And he was able to finally breathe and let all the things he was feeling in the moment come through him. And he told me, his, but his girlfriend at the time was panicking in the car. He was telling her to call 911. But all she was worried about was, but, but, but he's doing this now. He's doing that now. He's doing this now. He's doing that now. I said, baby, I need you to calm down. I need you to calm down. I need you to call 911. I don't need you to be worried about what's going on. I got him. Call 911. That's how we help him. Right. And to me, that's a very small example of what it means to be, and this is women, hear me in love, the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to, in those situations and circumstances, our children and our women are our first concern. Mm-hmm. How do we show up for them? But we benefit them and we, and we serve them by being able to not shut off our emotions, but be in touch and acknowledge them. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's so the, there's so much to this conversation that I absolutely love. And I know we could go on forever and I have Ever. that we're going to have another conversation soon. We're going to come up with another topic. Um, I just like, I value this, this exchange because I think that we both want the same thing. And if there's enough mm. people in this world who want the same thing um, and we're all speaking and we're all trying to help people, like you're helping people that are coming to you and you're talking through these things and imagine that yeah. ripple effect. And like with my platform, it's like, we're constantly trying to communicate about self-awareness and how to be better and love yourself better so you can love everyone else better. And so with when that, I'm with that back. kind of framed up, like my question to you, um, the platform is called love is viral. The show is. So how are you either making love go viral or how would you tell other people to do it? We make love go viral by living it each day, mm-hmm. living what it means to be loved, not just on social media. When you leave your house, when you're in private with your husband, when you're with your daughter, your love you give in that moment is now given to someone and that goes into the world. And then that love that they have, that you've given them, goes to someone else's life and goes to someone else's life. It may be the clerk at the grocery store. It may be the homeless person that you just gave a sandwich to. It may be the woman you said, you look really nice today. In that little moment, you've now made something that was just a spark turn into a gracious wildfire. Mm. That's how we make love go viral. I love I've practiced like leaving my house with a smile on my face just to see what happens. So like every interaction I have, I smile. You would not believe the experiences I have. Like it's insane. And it's just like, I'll make a conscious decision that I'm going to smile at everyone today. Like I'm super happy, super, super high vibe. I've had people pay for my coffee. I've had people like, Hey, how are 
you look yeah like, opening the door for me like just super great experiences and I'm like man if I can do that if more people yeah. were just to say I'm going to see other people and experience them with love today yeah. Like, can you imagine that kind of effect? Like, I've been in a Starbucks line where it's like everyone's paying for each other's coffee. Like, in and the it changes and everyone's just, day. And everyone's waving and smiling. And I'm like, yes. this is amazing. And the people at Starbucks are laughing and they're like, all right, everyone that comes in for the next 10 minutes gets free coffee. You know, and it's like, I love it. Here's what's interesting. Because on that day, you may feel good. Mm-hmm. But you've made a conscious decision and effort to put this energy into the world. So now it's active. Now it's alive. Now it's traveling. So when the day comes where you don't feel like smiling when you leave the house, in some way, shape, or form, it's going to find its way back to you. Mm, I love that. That's, that's how you make love go viral. I love it. I've gotten goosebumps numerous times during this conversation. <laughs> I want to thank you so, so much. much. I'm so glad that we found each other. Um, this was a killer conversation, and I just want to say I appreciate you. So thank you for being on. I know I'll have you on again. Um, oh, this is great. This is th- amazing. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much for joining today. I loved this conversation and I love Brandon's reminder to lean into your emotional experience and learn through curiosity, not through social media. You can find Brandon at newagegents.com or on Instagram and Facebook at newagegents. As always, please subscribe, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. We are always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at dearlive at loveisviral.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loveisviral.media or visit our website at loveisviral.com. Apple users, don't forget to give the Live Pocket Coach a try by downloading it for free for seven days.